Let's go live with Jack Kelly. Welcome to the one-of-a-kind LinkedIn live show that will help you with your job search and advancing your career. We will bring in educated career experts who will share their insights and give you inside tips on how to be successful in your job search. Now let's get into today's show with your host, Jack Kelly. All right, we are live on Let's Go Live with Jack Kelly. And today, my guest, Jessica Sweet, an awesome career, what would you call yourself? Career coach, career expert, career guru? <laughs> let's what's, what's, coach. How about coach? Coach, coach is yeah. good. Okay, coach, career coach. So how about we just jump into it? Maybe you could tell everybody what you do, what you specialize in, and, and then we could kind of take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a career coach. I help people focus on what's next in their career. So job targeting. Um, a lot of people don't really know what they want to do next or what their skills and experience can um, lend themselves to. So what they're able to do next. Um, so that's one area I help people focus on. The other thing is job search strategy. So how do you job search? Um, many people that I work with um, haven't searched for a job in a, in a long time or they've been recruited into their job or um, a friend has um, re recommended them for a job. So the population I work with is people in midlife and that's kind of loosely defined. It's like 35 to maybe 55-ish. Um, so lots of people in there have been working um, in a job for a while and now maybe find themselves out of work and haven't job searched in a while. Um, so I help people with the, a strategy that actually works to find them a job. Um, and then the last thing is my background is um, in social work. So I did therapy. And so I really help with mindset and emotions that can go into um, all, the, all the stuff that goes with job search and, and figuring out what's next. That's great. You know what? If you don't mind, let's, I definitely want to hear more about kind of the what next part, because what I've been hearing both personally and professionally over the last, I don't know, how long has COVID been now? Nine months, 10 months, five years, whatever yeah, it's been. <laughs> over that part. So there's so many people who are trying to like reevaluate like what they're doing, what they want to do. Mm -hmm. It could be someone in their 20s or someone in their 60s. Yeah. It really runs the gamut, all industries, all types of careers where and it makes sense. I guess, you know, you see loved ones contract, you know, the virus, you have got, you know, sometimes people pass away that they know, and it really makes them reframe themselves and like, what do I do? What's, what's the next thing? Do I want to keep doing the same thing for 20 years or 10 more years or five more years, whatever it may be. So when you get these people, like, how, how do you help them? How do you get who, you know, people who are trying to figure out, all right, what's my next step? What do I want to do? I don't know if I want to keep doing what I've been doing. Help. Yeah. Yeah. So first, let me just say, um, when this whole thing happened, when COVID happened, um, and then we saw, obviously, layoffs and, and all that, I expected people to hang on tight to their jobs and not have that um, experience of kind of soul searching and thinking, you know, I don't want to be doing this for the next 20 years. I need to figure out what to do. Next. I really was shocked by, by people's introspection and willingness to, to just do what actually mattered to them rather than flee to safety and fear. So that, 
that's the first thing. I was truly shocked by that. Um, and in a great way. I mean, I, I think it's fantastic that people's um, wanting to do something better for themselves was greater than their fear. So that's the first thing. But in terms of how I help, um, a lot of it, I mean, it, it sounds really hokey and I, I don't like to say this, but a lot of a lot of this is, is kind of soul searching. So for me, it's like putting together puzzle pieces. It's understanding um, different pieces of what works for you. So it's where your skills and experience overlap with what you want to do, what you can get paid to do, um, you know, what works for you in terms of maybe location, uh, what works for you in terms of finances. So you kind of have to look at the whole picture of what what actually works, what makes sense, um, and put all those pieces together until you can come up with something that actually is a viable option for you. Um, so that that's what I really help people do is walk them through a process of what makes sense um, and narrow it down to a point where they say, yes, this is the thing I want, I want to do. I agree with that. I like that. In fact, I, I drew a handy little diagram as you're talking. So I don't know if this show up. So so I don't know if that shows kind of, it's like a Venn diagram, right? Where, because I subscribe to that, where it's a combination of things. I think, you know, I'm not a career coach, but as a recruiter, you know, when I'm talking to people, yeah, you will, and they just ask advice, like, you know, what do I do? It's uh, what I find helpful. And what I find over the years that leads to success is, okay, what am I good at? You know, what innately do I enjoy doing? Like mm-hmm. when I, when you, when you get up in the morning, what's the first thing like you just want to do? So find what you, you know, what you like doing. I would also add, you have to be kind of good at it too, mm-hmm. because you may like something, but not good at it. That's not so great. But if you're good at it, but then also the reality is, and it's crass, but the reality is also, can you make a living at it or a living that, you know, you so desire? Um, then if you have those concentric circles and, and it hits the sweet spot, then you're onto it. Right. Is that, so that's kind of what you're saying that, yeah, that you just yeah. want to have, have that. That's, that's a, I mean, there are more nuances to it than that, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's really kind of what you have to look for. And, and even knowing that it often takes sitting with it and, and really trying to understand it before you can get to what is that thing. But those are the elements. I mean, if you can get paid to do it, you like it, your skills and experience lend themselves to it and you're, good at, at doing that thing. I mean, you, like you said, you're onto it. You, th- that's something yeah. that would make sense for you. So what happens? Do you get a lot of people who just like, they'll say, Hey, I want to change. I want to do something different, but then really don't know what they want. Is that kind yeah. of the most common thing or one of the most common things? Yeah. They don't know what they want. Um, but in my experience, most people, um, really don't make a huge change. They, what they really do is they make a pivot. Mm-hmm. So they will be doing one thing and instead of like going way over here, they'll just kind of go over here. And so they use transferable skills. They'll use stuff that they, they have already been doing um, and just move it from one area to a different area. Um, so for example, you know, I have, you know, a, a salesperson who's, you know, has a lot of customer experience. And so he's looking at customer experience jobs. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of working with people, a lot of the same skills and they transfer over. Um, but it's, so it's not so much of a, you know, he's going from sales to, you know, doing something 
so different. It's just so if you're looking, if you're looking to do something a little different, maybe the first step is kind of figure out, okay, I'm really good at sales, but maybe I don't want to keep selling insurance or, or real estate or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Let me see how I could take those skills and maybe move it to something else. And maybe it's not even sales. It might be, like you said, customer experience or some other areas where they want someone who is gregarious and outgoing and friendly and communicative and could easily bond with people. So. I guess, to find those skills that could kind of move over somewhere else. Um, it's, I guess, you didn't mention this, but I guess it probably works better when you're doing it incrementally, kind of make that first move that makes sense. And then maybe once you get there, then you can figure out, okay, how do I then go cl- a little closer and closer and closer to, to ultimately what you want? Is that kind of a thing? Yeah, I call that a leapfrog job. Okay. That's, that's my term for it. So um, if you have a job that is a little bit too removed to actually make the whole leap, you find something in the middle and then you right. log over. Um, and that can take time. And so when I'm working with people in midlife, they worry, yeah, I don't have enough time to really get That's it. a good point, right? You see the uh, clock is ticking and you start yeah. getting worried. Yeah. And so people say, you know, I only want to work for 10 more years. How am I going to do that? Um, and so sometimes that's a challenge. But um, if the leap is too great, there might not be another way to really make that happen. Because then you got to also factor in this too. Like you said, if you're a certain age, you said you, you work, let's say in the range going to 55. So let's say you're 55 and then you're like, what do I do now? And then maybe I want to go back to school for something. Then you're like, well, then I'm going to be 56, 57. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, there's a lot of ageism out there. So then it's gonna be hard when you're competing against people half your age. So. And then also, I guess you have to worry about the financial ramifications too. If you're used to earning a certain amount of money, let's say you're a SaaS, you know, tech-ish salesperson, you're making, you know, 250,000, but you're just like miserable for whatever reason. And then you go pivot somewhere else, maybe a drastic cut, right? Exactly. And when you're, when you're in midlife, you can't necessarily afford to do that. You have kids, you have maybe college payments, you have a mortgage. You know, so you, you, you've got responsibilities that you might not have had when you were 20. So there are a lot, a lot of things. And that's what I was saying. Like there are more nuances to figure out your job target than just those three pieces. Yeah. It's more complex. So you have to take into account. I don't want to go back to school. I don't want to lose my salary. All these other things that play into it. Um, but those three things are are kind of the biggest, like that's the 10,000 foot view. Yeah. You do have to kind of get into the weeds and really understand all the pieces. I guess it's just, it's like a lot of things in life. You're not going to have everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have, you know, maybe it's, you're not going to get that hundred percent career change overnight, but maybe you get 40% or 50% or 60 to start with. But like you said, if maybe if you meant, if you frame it, and manage your own expectations. Okay, it's a leapfrog kind of thing. Okay, this one's gonna be fifty percent, but then once I get more experience in the space, I build up a network, I get known, I build a reputation. Okay, then maybe I can get something that's sixty percent and so on. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of a strategy that? Well, I mean that works a lot. The other thing that um, I've noticed is many times people come to me and say, you know what, I'm just so burned out. I hate this career. I'm done with it. I, I need something totally different. It's just like everybody now. Right. <laughs> After they've, they've 
talked it out, what yeah. they realized was they don't need a new career. What they actually need is a new job. Um, and what is really bothering them is their company culture or their boss or something about the way their current setup is. Um, and if they could fix certain things in their company, um, then doing a job uh, a, in a different way would be, mm -hmm. would actually be exciting to them. So for example, um, I was speaking to a woman the other day who said, you know what, I'm just done with this product that I'm working with. I can't, I can't deal with it anymore. It's just horrible. And I asked her, you know, what's horrible about it? What do you not like? And she said, well, working with this product is just so siloed. I just, I don't have colleagues anymore. I hate it. Um, and I said, well, is that true? for every company that works with this product. And she said, I don't know. So um, I, we still don't know the answer because she's in process of figuring that out. But if it turns out that other companies work in a, a team format around this product, then maybe she doesn't have to stop working with this product that she's built an expertise with. Maybe she can just move to a different company that works with it in a different format and then she can um, maintain her expertise, her salary level, um, and and just work in a different company. So it's sometimes it's problems like that that you just need to solve rather than scrapping everything and moving on. Yeah. I wonder, do you, do you get this happens where they come to you and they just want to scrap everything? They just, because I think we all do this. We wait till like we're at our wits end and then it just blows up. You're like, I can't take it anymore. That's it. And you almost have to bring them back from the ledge. Say, wait, 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 wait. Before you quit and 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 tell off your boss, let's just think it through. Let's let's, you know, maybe it's this particular company because they have you siloed, but do your homework and and maybe reach out to people who work in similar companies at other, you know, within your industry and just ask them, you know, hit them up on LinkedIn or what have you. See if you could find the people say, hey, Jessica, how is it like at your company? I'm by myself here. Is that is this how it is or not? And then you can make a more intelligent decision. Yeah, yeah sometimes it really is about gathering more information yeah. or understanding what's bothering you or, or trying to figure out what you don't know. Like what what is the information that's missing here? And then, and then gathering that information. Yeah. So you don't even know what it is that you're missing. Um, so just having another perspective that can help you see the problem differently can be really valuable. I think sometimes it's like, and this brings back probably your, your, you know, your social work therapy type of mindset, because it seems like you have to kind of ask these open-ended questions to get the person to talk and walk you through it. So then you could help them say, oh, okay, I, I hear you. I see where you're going with this. And this is what you know we could do. And you could probably help them separate which are things you're just frustrated with and what have you, but they're not real terrible issues. And what are like really serious things where, okay, I do have to move or I do have to do something different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they. it, it really is about understanding the problem and really listening to the problem um, before you can, you can understand what to do with it. I mean, it's, you have to really understand it thoroughly first. Yeah, I mean, you can appreciate this. So I would get, I've got this many times with recruiting where I'll speak to somebody 
And let's say, Jessica, I, I place primarily on Wall Street. So let's say you're with a company that's getting taken over mm -hmm. and you contact me and say, hey, Jack, can you help me out? After talking for a while, I'm, at times I would actually say, you know what? Stay where you are because it sounds like you're just looking to leave because you know, Joe left and Jane left and now you're freaked out because, and I, I'm not, I don't use these words, but you know, like you're freaked out because they're leaving. So you figure, hey, if they're leaving, they know something I don't, I'm gonna get out of here because as a recruiter, I, I would see this all the time. You know what I mean? Like something changes, it could be a takeover, it could be a new boss, it could be whatever. And they freak out and people leave and then someone else leaves because they see everyone else leaves. And then six months into a new job, they're like, what did I do? Why did I, oh my God, what happened? So it's, it's a weird phenomenon when, the, when these things happen, you know? And, and you do need someone to kind of tap the brakes and say, and, they'll, and sometimes they'll get mad at me because they think, okay, I don't want to help you. But I'm like, I, I think I'm helping you more because I could place you, I'll make a nice commission, which is great, but it doesn't sound like you really hate what it is. It's just like you're watching everyone else and you're scared and you just want to run out the door because you see everyone else running out the door, but I don't know if that's the best thing. I mean, I'll help you. Right. And it's, it's a very odd dynamic because I will, there, there are some people I know who probably got ticked off thinking I'm blowing them off, but I wasn't, right. you know, because I was really, I guess, because maybe that's how recruiters are viewed in such low uh, esteem that they figure, well, if they're not trying to place me, then they're blowing me off as opposed to, wow, a person actually has some feelings and empathy and is trying to help <laughs> and, and help me make the right decision. Yeah. I mean, so for me, I don't, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm there to try to help the person yeah. understand problem and help them understand like how to get more information and make the best decisions for themselves so I wouldn't recommend anything to them what I I find myself in the same dynamic though in the situation when people come to me and they're like I need a resume and LinkedIn profile done can you can you do that for me and I look at their situation and I say you you might need a resume and LinkedIn profile done, but that is not all you need. Like what is going wrong here in this situation is that, you know, you have, you don't have a target, like your, your resume is all over the place because not because it's not written well, but because you don't know what job you're trying to get. Um, or your resume is just fine, but what you are doing is you're only applying online and you need a better strategy. So like they're coming to me to solve a problem, but that's not actually the problem they're having. And so I find myself in a similar situation when I see that, you know, they, they have different problems than what they are saying they have. And sometimes I get the same feedback, like, you don't want to help me you don't you don't want to you don't want to do my resume you don't want to do my linkedin well yes i could do it for you but that really isn't going to be helpful to you unless you address these other problems do they sometimes get angry that like they feel in addition to what you say like oh you don't want to help with my resume but that like they're looking at you to give them the aha answer and a lot of times you can't give the aha answer and then they get ticked off because they think hey i'm paying you good money why don't you <laughs> you should have the answer for me is every, that common? Does that happen? Every once in a while, I get, yeah. I get like, this was supposed to be, you know, a, a conversation where it was like, like I was supposed to get answers and it, you know, yeah. it, it doesn't always work that way where you get answers. It's more like you get questions and they're supposed to be really good questions that give you ahas that help you know how to get answers. But sometimes 
people just want advice and that is like i am i am i can't make choices for people i, I wouldn't make choices for your life that would be good for you so, so this could sound very very wrong i would almost say politically incorrect because i don't know if that's the right term for this but sometimes it seems where for job seekers particularly in a kind of a pandemic situation they're so beaten up their self-esteem has plummeted so much it's almost they do want someone to say okay do this do that or even more so they just want people to do it for them and i'm not saying that because they're lazy or they don't want to try i think and i hate to say this to you as you as the therapist let me ask your opinion is it that after a while, if you get your butt kicked day after day after day, filling out applications, not hearing back, getting ghosted, you know, having an interview the last minute they cancel, on and on and on, that you just, like, it just has to wear on you. And then it, it's hard, then you start doubting yourself. So I imagine then it's even hard to say, okay, I want to do X because now you're scared. Maybe I'm not good enough for X. Right. No, and that's absolutely true. And people just want a roadmap. They want to understand yeah. what I have to do to make this work. And so like when it comes to, uh, I was talking about job search strategy, when it comes to that, I mean, that is very cut and dry. That is like you do A, B, C, D. And for that I have, um, so I'm moving more towards a group format for that in, in 2021. I have groups where, you know, people work together, they get the support, they get the networking, um, but then they also get the A, B, C, D. You, this is what you do. Let's look at what you've been doing. This is this is what ha this is why it hasn't been working, um, and and this is the roadmap. This is how you make it work. It doesn't guarantee you're going to get a job, obviously, but it guarantees that you're going to understand a strategy that works better um, than what you've been doing. So I think people do just want they want a roadmap. They want to understand, you know, why things haven't worked, and they do want answers because it feels complex, it feels mysterious. Um, so I think, I think that's what people want. I think that, that makes it, sense. It makes sense. Right? Yeah. And what, what kind of strategies, and I know it's not fair to ask because everyone is so different and unique, but are there kind of some, some core strategies yeah. that you would suggest for people? Yeah. I mean, so one of the big things that people do um, is apply online. And I always describe that as eating frenzy. Um, so once a job is posted, everybody sees it and you're competing with so many people automatically. So instead of doing that, trying to get, um, you know, an inside track on a job before it's posted. So the hidden job market. Um, and we talk about how to do that, how, how to know which jobs to try to, um, which companies to try to get into based on your own brand. Um, why you would want to have a certain company on your target company list. Um, so um, branding, networking, interviewing, not applying online. Those are some of the pillars of, of job uh, searching in a way that's systematic, in a way that's really going to help you. Um, so that those are some of the things that we uh, talk about in that group and that really give people the strategy for applying um, in a way that makes sense and not just beating their head against the wall. Yeah. Like you said. Do, should people apply as well? 
but just not put, if you had to break down the time, that would be a small, and that should be a smaller portion of the time applying online and sending resumes, but still do that, or should you say not even maybe bother with that at all? Um, I, I, I think that you should apply for a job that you see online if it really does match, um, you know, what you want to do, your qualifications, the company that you, that you want to work at. But once you apply, then you should try to connect with somebody within the company. Um, so either somebody that you already know or somebody that you should know. So like seek out somebody, try to make a connection, let them know that you've applied, let them know why you're the best candidate for that job. Um, let them know why you're interested and why you're passionate about the company or the role or the industry or something. Like make a connection so that your resume is not just another piece of paper in a pile of pieces of paper. Because when you apply online, that's all it is until you do something different. Well, it's, it's for a lot of people, I'd imagine, particularly if they're more introverted, is it picking up the phone and calling? Is it sending a LinkedIn invite? Uh, you know, stalking them on social media? Like what's, what's, what's something that if you're not comfortable with it, that you could kind of go, you know, start doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so start doing it once you've applied or just in general? Either way, either way, you know, it's just to, so because for me, I, I've been recruiting over 20 years. So I'm comfortable picking up a phone, making a cold call. I'm comfortable sending out, you know, you know, emails to people, LinkedIn things. And I, at this point in my life, I've done it so long. I don't, I don't, it doesn't hurt really that much when you, you get rejected because after a while you get a thick skin and you know, if I, if I try to get in touch with 10 people, eight of them probably would have no interest, but if I lose one or two, so, but for most normal people who are in, in, in a profession where you're constantly reaching out and you're constantly getting rejected, it's hard. Yeah. So yeah, what would you suggest for people to do? So I think the first thing is to adjust their expectations. So just to hear that from you, I right. think it's really important um, to know that a 10 or 20% return rate, like acceptance rate is totally normal. And to expect you know, 80 to 90% of your inquiries to go just violent is, yeah. is normal um, and to expect that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, you know, I think have a, a a method that works for you. So if it's, you know, writing something on LinkedIn, uh, I think that's probably the thing that is, that feels comfortable for most, the most comfortable for the most people. Um, and then have a template that works for you. So, um, and a fill in the blank template. So maybe a reason why you're reaching out to them in particular, um, what you're looking for and make your ask very, very small um, why you're, you know, passionate about it. Um, so find some different things to add in there and template it out and make sure you perfect it. Um, and then do like stalk the person on social media, like, and be careful, like do not over, like maintain good boundaries. So when you're stalking them, make sure it's really public information that they're sharing in a professional way and, and then include something um, in your email. So like, oh, I saw we went to the same college or, oh, I saw you like the same sports team or you, I saw you worked on this professional project and that was really interesting to me. So, you know, something professional that you wanna share. Um, and then 
you know, send it out and see what happens and try not to get attached to it. But I think it is practice and I think it is lowering your expectations. And I think it is being professional and keeping your ask extremely specific and small. Um, so asking one question or asking for a 15 minute phone conversation to discuss X so they know exactly what to expect um, and then being polite. So that's what I would recommend. It's, it's great advice. I, I particularly like when you say don't get attached to it mm -hmm. because my take from when you say that and this happens, uh, let's say in my world, let's say you're trying to get a certain client like if I could get this client, this is gonna be awesome. This would be great. You know what I mean? It's a marquee client. We could place a lot of people. Ah. And if you just, I find out if you get too chat, it's it's it it's it actually backfires. In, in my experience, it backfires. Yeah. Not all the time, but because you you put so much into it that then you freak yourself out a little bit. You get a little nervous. You get a little like uptight. Then like, okay, okay, do I say this? Do I not say this? And as opposed to just being natural, you just change your whole thing. So it's almost like you have to, okay, this is important and I'm gonna, but you just almost have to go into it like, okay, I'm going to like, I'm doing everything else. Mm -hmm. And I find out from, from experience that works better. It's, it's the weirdest thing. It works so much better where it could be the most serious thing. Like my, you know, my kids will laugh at me because I'm doing a lot of, you know, different, you know, Zoom calls or what have you from home. And so they'll say, and let's say there's something like I have to do, I tell them about, it's really important. And they see me all relaxed going into it. I'm like, well, shouldn't you kind of be more prepared? Shouldn't you do this? And like, and, I, and I'm not gonna pretend to them. I'm very, very upfront with them. But yes and no, yeah. But I find out if I do, I'm not gonna come across authentic and I'm not gonna come across genuine. And I prefer to come across that way because then they know who I am and what I'm about. And either they like me or they don't. And that's cool because they like me. That's the person they're gonna get to work with them. If they don't like me, then all right, you know, it probably wasn't a match. So yeah, I find out like if you don't get so, and, and I find out with people they get so like, oh my God, I got to get this. And if they don't, they're crestfallen and things just fall apart. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, this was it. That was a job. My life's over now. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's so harder. And the fall is so much more than the high would be. And it's so hard to dig yourself out of that. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when the job search process is, is longer. Oh. Um, taking multiple hits like that is just devastating. So yeah, you have to you have to really kind of steal yourself and just not attach to whether it's a you know a contact you were trying to make or the dream job that you thought you were going to get or whatever it is. I mean, it, it's extremely hard to take this advice of of detaching from the outcomes, but as best you can to try to just kind of keep your eyes on the longer game and know that something's going to come for you. Well, how do you do that? So let's say, because this is so common now mm -hmm. where either you've lost your job. I, I can't tell you how many people I spoke with Jessica who even lost their jobs pre-COVID, you know, just normal course of events, lost their job back in November or December. And they're like, oh, okay. Hey, I lost Jack. I lost my job, but you know, I'm, I've been working since I was in high school and now I'm going to just stay time with my family and relax and so and then before you know it's the new year thinking oh it's new year it's gonna go and my experience usually new year it's not like a light goes on and everything happens all at once it takes a while then before you know it you're in covid and it's like oh no so you have these people who now it's gonna be like a year have been looking 
And even if not looking, people who are in a job, but like their home, they and their spouse are both working, you're juggling two young kids who are online, stressed out of your mind. Like, how do you, how do you coach people just to keep it all together mm-hmm. and yeah. not just fall apart? I know. I mean, a lot of it is about self-care, stress management, kind of taking apart the problem and, and looking at what's actually happening and seeing where you can tweak things. I mean, it, it's extremely hard. I don't have all, all the answers yeah. to that because it's, it's obviously a situation that nobody has, you know, we're all doing this for the first time. But I, I think a lot of it is self-care and trying to figure out like, why is this so hard for you? Um, in particular, not that it shouldn't be like, there's no blame, like it's hard for everybody, but like, what's, what's tweaking you about it. Um, one of my clients was saying like, I have no space. I have no space to be alone in my house. Like I have no time to just be alone. So then, you know, she just tried to find a way to carve out a little bit of space and that was helping her. Um, so just see you know little tiny fixes that might make a difference um self-care stress management those old standbys because it's so unfair because even pre-covid i've noticed you have somebody looking for the job and let's say just it could be awesome but just a couple bed breaks not the right place right time then when they go for interviews they start having self-doubt they're a little a little bitter, a little angry. And then it comes out in the interview and they don't perform well because let's say I'm interviewing you and I'm coming across just a little, you know, a little on edge, a little, you know, salty, a little like whatever. It's very easy for you to say, especially in this kind of market. Okay. Thanks, Jack. It was nice meeting you next because yeah. you're like, I don't, I don't want someone baggage. Yeah. And, 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 and at the time they need it most, oftentimes they're not coming across their best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you can be self-aware enough to know that that's what's happening um, and, and try to kind of leave it at the door, I mean, it's, it makes sense that it's there um, and that you're, you're carrying that and that it feels that way, but to not let it seep through in an interview um, or in a networking conversation or, you know, anywhere that it, that it makes sense so to try to contain it when it matters. Do you find when you have the group setting, I know you said you're starting it. Have you had that before? And do you find it makes people feel better because they have other people to commiserate with and it's just, they realize it's not just them. This is what's going on across the board. Yeah, yeah. So I have I have been running that job search group and I'm gonna be running more of them next year, 2021. Um, but yeah, I the reason I'm ramping it up is just because of that. Like there's so much support and so much networking that happens um, in that group. So the learning and the, and the step-by-step can happen one-on-one, but what can't happen is that group support and that group networking that happens in the group. Um, And so it, it feels like a much better format for that kind of work that I am, I'm going to transition to doing it in uh, in a group format almost exclusively unless there's some other thing going on um, because, because it's better, because it's just better. 
I agree. I find that we've been doing, so I launched Recruiter a little after the pandemic started with the idea it would just to help people find jobs, net, you know, get in touch with each other, get leads to get inside a place. And we would have these we meetups online where it could be an AMA kind of call or it could be about a subject matter. And I find out if nothing else happened, you could see the relief in people. You could literally see it. You could literally see like, you know, they're looking at the call, you know, I was like, because oh. yep. like they realize, I thought it was just me going through this. And now I see Jessica and she seems like a really smart together person, but she's going through it. I see Jack, he seems pretty on top of things, but he's going through it. So, oh, all right. And this is interesting dynamic where then they're like, wow, all right. It's not me. It's not my fault. This is what's going on. Even though intellectually they knew it, but just seeing other people around them going through it, it makes them feel just so much more relieved, mm -hmm. so much better. Yeah. So I think that's a good concept for you. I think that's, that's really helpful. I, I've seen it firsthand. Yeah. And it's so effective. It's so true. I mean, yeah. it's, even with all the stuff going on in the world, um, people still feel a lot of shame around, you know, job searching, especially job searching for an extended period of time. Um, and so like then going into a group and sitting with people who are accomplished, smart people, like you said, it's like, oh, okay, it's not just me. It's not something that, you know, I'm, I didn't fail because I haven't landed a job. It's like, it's happening to other yeah. people. So I wasn't rude when I was looking down. I just had a few, we got, so we got some questions. If you don't yeah. mind, maybe we could kind of go through real quick. So sure. one, um, and I'll prop, you know, I'll kind of paraphrase the questions. So um, someone's saying about, Trans transitioning over that what happens when they interview and sometimes they don't even get the interview because they'll say hey we want you to have like 10 out of those 10 ingredients what do you do when you keep when you get that um you know pushback mm -hmm. from an hr person or whatever where they want to kind of pivot but they're not given the chance yeah so there's a couple things so one is networking your way in um, to a company can help with that. If you have somebody that's your internal cheerleader and can say, hey, you know, um, this person maybe hasn't done this job before, but um, they are absolutely the person you need to hire because of X, Y, Z. Um, having somebody that can really vouch for you, it re really means a lot. So, I mean, think about, think about shopping online. And when you say you go on Amazon, you you almost always look at the reviews. Like something has like all these five-star reviews. You're like, oh, I, I have to buy that one, right? Like that's the one you need to buy. Um, and the same is true when you have job candidates. If you have a job candidate that has a five-star review, you're like, okay, well, I, I have to interview that, that candidate. So it gives you a much better chance. The other thing is, um, if you can have a resume that's written that really targets the new role, so it really highlights the things that you are um, trying to do in the next job, even if you don't have the 10 out of 10, but it shows that you have seven out of 10 and really hits those hard, that can help you. Um, if you can find ways to fill those gaps, so maybe you haven't done some of those things in a job setting, but you are gonna volunteer, or you're taking a class, depending on what they are, that can help. So those are some ways that you can try to 
bridge those gaps um, and, and you know, get your foot in the door. And speaking of gaps, someone was asking, what do you do when you do have that six month plus gap? Mm-hmm. Because they always ask, and I'll just editorialize this part because they always ask, okay, what are you doing? Yeah. And then you have to say something. What would you suggest, even if it maybe is a little too late for the people who are doing it or how they can reinvent what they did so yeah. they could have something to say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so if you're in a gap, you really should try to take a class, even if it's like an online class um, or something. I mean, do something other than sit on your couch and watch Netflix. Oh. Um, <laughs> I can't do that. That's, that's become the go-to thing in my family. Oh my God, way too much. Streaming service. Oh my God, way too much. It doesn't really help unless you can position it as like yeah. market research. Yeah. Um, so like try to do something that's gonna, that you can say like, oh, you know, I was, I was taking this course. I was like bettering my career somehow. Try, try to do something so you can position it. Um, you know, if you were job searching, again, the networking goes really far. So it's like you're job searching for six months. It happens. If you can have someone that's your internal cheerleader in a company and they say, yeah, this person was job searching for six months, but they are amazing. You know, it's going to, it's going to take the doubt out of the hiring manager's mind. Like they're not going to be like, oh, this person has a gap. They're going to be like, okay, this person has a gap, but everything they've done before that was amazing. So networking is so huge. It, it really will make a difference. If you can network, if you can try to find an explanation of something that you did that advanced your career, even if it was like, I took time out to care for somebody that was ill in my family. I took time out to travel. I took time out to whatever um, that was advancing you as a person or, or helping your family. Um, you can talk about that. So those are some ideas. That's, that's, that's really helpful. Now, now I had a follow-up question about, so, from someone about that. For the gap, um, would, you recommend, would you recommend taking like a job underneath like what you've done in the past just so you could say you did something? Um, it depends. So that's an it, it depends question. If it's a job that you need because you want to, you need to pay the bills, um, and then absolutely you, you should do that. If you feel like you can um, wait to get the job that you really deserve to have, um, then it might make sense to wait for that, that higher role um, because it will, it, it will come. And um, once you get a lower level role, it can be harder to go back up to the, to that higher level. So it really depends on your situation. Yeah. It depends on what the job is. So it depends. Yeah. It's tough because if you take something a level two or three down, it's hard. It's a little harder to sell. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you got to think it's almost doing something a little different than maybe you could position that even better. You know, hey, I tried to start a new business. Oh, I tried to write the great American novel. Oh, I tried to do, you know, I mean, that might be outside of your core thing, but it's an interesting story to tell. And, you know, the interviewer might be like, wow, wow, so cool. Yeah. 
there was one before it gets too too late. I want to talk about like you wrote this great piece that you interviewed and spoke with a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of career experts about 2021. And I'm a I'm a big fan of of kind of having a mindset. You know, you want to be positive, looking at things. And you know, this year obviously is not so great. So it's it's easy for people to still go into 2021 thinking it's just going to still be miserable. Yeah. So. Can you talk about that and like any, 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 did you glean any really great things that we could share with people so that, you know, before you would know it in next year, and instead of just kind of shuffling into the next year, still feeling miserable, hey, here are some great things that, you know, these smart people came up with to kind of get them motivated and, and excited? Yeah, well, I mean, I think people should find that post and, and read it all the way through because there were tons of great things on there. But, you know, people were talking about, um, you know, things about the job market turning up, you know, up with an upturn and um, the vaccine coming and just in general, like mindset, like you were talking earlier about how like a negative mindset can impact outcomes in, in your interview and other places. And just like hope is kind of your only option. Like if you are hopeful, if you have a good mindset, then better things will happen to you than if you choose to be negative. So it's kind of a choice to be hopeful. Um, it's hard to practice, but it is a choice and making that choice will be better for you in the long run. So it's kind of like exercise, right? It's the same thing. It's, you've got to make the choice to do it and it's going to have a positive outcome for you if you do. But there were tons of things in that article that I thought were amazing and people should check it out. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you because I noticed this, If whether it's in your career or in your personal life. Let's say you meet somebody and that person has a great attitude. They're upbeat. They're positive. They're like, you know, hey, Jesse, hey, Jack, let's do this. And hey, I got this going on. You want to come and join me doing this and what have you. You're drawn to that person. Whereas if the, another person comes into the room, they're like, oh, it's raining outside. And oh. Uh, there's a mutant strain of, <laughs> of COVID in, in UK. I was gonna come here. It's like, oh, please leave me alone. You know what I mean? You can't wait to, you're gonna chew your own leg to get away from the conversation and get out of it. So I, I do notice it, it's, it's almost like self-fulfilling. You know, if you go into things, being positive, being motivated, even if you don't believe it hundred percent, but you push yourself to be it, it kind of works. And it does attract people who feel the same way. Conversely, I find I'm curious if you see this too. If you go into something negative in a bad mood, ornery, cranky, it's not going to work. And that's going to reinforce why you're angry and ornery. And then you're just going to attract other miserable people and you get dragged down. Mm -hmm. that yeah. Yeah. It's like the, the concept of a vicious cycle and a yeah. virtuous cycle. Yeah. yeah. And like what I was like, it's like I was taking some notes when I was reading it. So, and, and, and they're straightforward because I'm in this camp too where. We're gonna, we have what, now three or so companies that have vaccines. So we'll roll out the vaccines. Then it's not gonna happen overnight. It'll happen over time. But I think that's gonna kind of flip the switch a little bit and change the mood. So you know there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know that even if X vaccine doesn't work, there's two other vaccines that could work. Or if not those, we'll find another way because we already came up with a few. And then once I, I noticed with companies, in my experience recruiting, is that when they feel optimistic about the future, they're going to hire. If they're afraid and worried, they don't hire and they downsize. Mm -hmm. So that 
if we have the vaccine, or I should say when we have the vaccine and it gets distributed and hopefully God willing, there's not a lot of bad results and what have you, then all of a sudden companies like, hey, all right, you know what, I'm feeling more comfortable. We're gonna start this new division. We're gonna launch this new product. We're gonna do whatever. And now we need help. So we're gonna have to hire. And then you hire more people, more people out there. And more people who are now working again are going to spend money and they spend money they put into the economy. So it's good for other businesses. So then they feel, and it becomes this virtual, you know, virtuous cycle upwards of all positivity. And that's what I'm hoping. And that's what I kind of drew from some of the folks who were, you know, respond, you know, who, who uh, wrote um, their views. And then also I think for people, it's almost going to be a, like a paradigm shift where the odds stop. All right, there'll be remote work, work from anywhere, hybrid kind of work, some in the office, some out of the office. So it's actually, I got to say, I'm kind of excited to see how it's all going to play out. And that's the feel I got from the piece too, that most people there were kind of excited that as bad as 2020 was, that because of that, we're going to rethink a lot of things and the future is going to be, look different, but it could be really much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times it's like, when bad things happen, good things come out of it. People rethink the way things were being done and and good things do come out of it. So it, it's been a horrible year for so many people, but I think that, that there will be something, many things that grow from that. Yeah, so I, I imagine with this kind of year, the therapist social work background really came in handy, I'd imagine, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's been stressful for a lot of yeah. people careers especially I mean it's just it's been nuts have you I I don't mean to put you on the spot with this but have you ever thought separately helping people out but not in the context of the career seekers but just navigating all the issues because I imagine that's a big need out there yeah yeah it is a big need and I think like telehealth telehealth is growing um but this this is my this is my niche. This is my yeah. work um, for a lot of reasons. And um, yeah, I, there's a lot of people doing that work too. And the other, and, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's huge. Um, but this is where I belong. So yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Cause you want to do your core, you know, strength, which you're best at. So really quick time. Are there any questions I didn't ask you or anything else that you want to bring up and share with people? Um, Let's see. That's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've been doing this for 12 years. I've been doing it for a long time. And um, I made the switch from social work um, and just like kind of did my own process of soul searching to figure out where I wanted to be after I made that switch. So um, I've kind of been where my clients are um, and and understand that process from the inside out. So I think I can really empathize with what that feels like. That had to be challenging because I imagine as a social work position, you have a steady job, steady paycheck, all that kind of benefits. And then I imagine as a career coach, you're kind of, you know, you went to the entrepreneurial world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what happened is I, I had my daughter, she's almost 13 now. um, And Basically, like my paycheck and daycare were about. <laughs> so like, that doesn't make any so sense. So say, why am I going just to? Yeah, this is this doesn't add up here. So I stayed home with her for a little while, and then I was like, I don't like playing Legos. This is no fun. I got 
<laughs> what can I do? <laughs> what can I do? And I could have gone back to social work or I could have done something else. Like there were a couple of things I was like, okay, I'm qualified to do this. I'm qualified to do that. But none of them really resonated with me. Um, and then I figured out this path and started, started this business. So it took a while. There were a couple of loops, but that's, that's how it happened. Well, see, I think that's a great training. Not only having the social work, the therapist, but just making that transition. That's a bold transition to do. You're saying it like it's easy, but it's tough yeah. to say, even if you have a kid and you you were looking at the dollars and cents, it's tough to say, hey, I know I have a safe job. I'm assuming it's kind of a relatively safe job, yeah. right? And benefits, all that kind of stuff and say, well, you know what? Nope, I'm going to I'm gonna just go on my own, do something I've never done before and just try it and, and make a go of it and last 12 years, which is great because Statistics show most businesses fail like the first year or, first, or like, I, I don't know the percentages, but by year five, it's like, yeah. you know, so many businesses just flame out. So doing it 12 years, that's awesome. Yeah. And so when you speak to candidates, it's like, yeah, I've done it. I've walked away from something, a safe gig and started from scratch. And that's not easy to do. It's true. So you can empathize with them and understand. And they could kind of know, because I think when people speak to someone, they like when people practice what they preach. Mm-hmm. So they don't feel like, all right, they're just saying it, but like, no, I did it. You know, I know what it's like to take that chance. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So it sounds like for people, it's really the key thing is, like, like it being the conversation, a lot of it is figuring out what you want to do, what you're good at, what you like doing. Can you make a living at it? And a lot of other variables to find what you're really interested and passionate about and could be successful at. Um, I think there's... Um, a lot of things what you have to do to find a job, but it sounds like really one of the most important, way, probably one of the best ways, if not the best way, is to really find people at the companies that you can contact, get in front of them, get someone to give you a good recommendation, get you in the door, as opposed to just sending out an application with a gazillion other people. Yes. And then might be time sometimes where you have to do a leapfrog, like a leapfrog kind of job where like, all right, hey, I, know, I want to pivot. I want to do something else. And maybe that's not the exact perfect job yet, but kind of keep going into that direction. Mm-hmm. So and that a lot of other things too, but like, it's, it's really good. So you know what? It's really great when people like yourself give good, practical, actionable advice. You know, lots of times and put aside this industry, just like in anything, like sometimes you hear advice and you're like, you roll your eyes, like, read it. You know, it's like pie in the sky, whatever. Yeah, of course. You know, feel good. Hey, do this, but it's not grounded in reality. And I, I like a lot what you're saying, Jessica. These are practical things you could do. Practical things. Get on LinkedIn. Find you know, find people at the companies you want to work for. Try to get in touch with them. Get in front of them. You know, really practical stuff. Don't maybe waste nine hours out of the day filling out applications. Jobs are spend more of that time finding that right kind of person, you know, and then, and then working also on your mindset, your outlook and making sure you're taking, as you said, self-care because yeah, even, even though I think myself, it sounds like yourself and a lot of the people contribute to that article are positive about 2021. I don't think that we're naive that all of a sudden it's going to be hoorah, January 2nd, it's going to, take a while so it's really to kind of run that marathon and take care of yourself along the way because it's still going to be a little bit of rough road ahead yeah definitely definitely 
Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. This is, this is some great advice. And I think a lot of people will be helped by it. I think a lot of people uh, will probably be hitting you up. So if, if someone wants to get in touch with you, what's, what's the best way, Jessica? Well, on LinkedIn mm -hmm. um, is a great way. And then um, on my website, it's uh, www.wishingwellcoach.com. Uh, so those are some great ways. Fantastic. And I'll shoot out that article after we get off. Excellent. So it was great meeting you. It was great speaking to you. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the WeCruiter podcast. If you want to check out other great content from WeCruiter, make sure to visit us at WeCruiter.io. That's W-E-C-R-U-I-C-R dot I-O. We offer tons of great resources for job seekers and professionals. So make sure to check us out today.